Welcome to the Mike Hewitt Show, 10 years and growing. It's about family, business, work, and politics like you've never heard it before. Yep, it's true. There's more than just a touch of rye humor mixed in. And now your host, Mike Hewitt. Folks, I am Mike Hewitt. Co-hosts Miles Bauer and Ludwig von Wiedendorski. People still email me. Would you say that guy's name was? Maybe you should just pronounce it God. Yeah, yeah. There you go. All right, here we go. Let's jump right into this because we got a big list today. Hunter Biden's IRS whistleblower. <laughs> the news draws intense backlash from Twitter. I'm still laughing at Twitter. I don't know how Twitter, regardless of who the owner is, the, the whole thing about what this person or that person tweeted as somehow being historically significant is a is a real eyeball roller to me. I don't get it. At any rate, back to the news. The cover-up of the Biden family corruption. I, I'm reading, trying to, and this is a foxnews.com article, folks. But the moral of it is, is the whistleblower is saying that the IRS that's supposed to be investigating the Biden family corruption is dragging their feet. That was kind of the long and the short of the article which I found just shocking. Are they trying to tell me the IRS leans a little left? What say you, Miles Bauer? As I've said a million times before, the swamp does not police the swamp. So you're saying the the, the watchtower needs a watchtower? Yes. Lud, what do you think? Am I really shocked? Oh, there's not a chance. Yeah, but what do you think about Miles' comment? And I ask that because you would think that when we've got a, and I'm not going to go into rent, I prom, the rant, I promise everybody, but if you add up all of the folks, local, state, and federal government, if I can't remember the numbers exact anymore, but they'd be in the top third of countries. If, they, if you could make a state of their own, they'd be in the top third of most populous states. And I say it that way because it just blows my mind. I intellectually do not understand, and I even say this respectfully, I don't understand the left when they call for more. I don't, because the only thing you can possibly get from a bureaucracy is a bureaucracy willing, in fact, driven to protect itself over the interests of the people. Am I overstating that, Miles? No, but I mean, you know, think about it. The uh, Durham investigation. Yep, from what, 3,000. Going to their seventh year, I, I was think. Gonna, I was going to say 3,000 years, but it's only been yeah. about seven, and they've come up with absolutely zero conclusions, but they have spent millions upon millions, hang on, upon millions of your tax dollars doing absolutely nothing but moving stacks of paper from one side of the desk to the other. And there are only 26 law clerks at the Supreme Court. Right. And it's 12 months later after the leak, and we still don't know who leaked the Roe v. Wade decision. And so you could take those 26 employees. Folks, I've done this as an employer. And you look at the list of the folks that are in the pool you've got to deal with, and you eliminate those that are obviously not part of it. And so you might come down to two or three. Maybe five, let's really be zealot here, maybe five of folks that were possibly involved and they couldn't look at a list of five in years to come up with anything. 
And then it, it leads us with the suggestion that they don't want to know who did it. But they do. They don't want you to know who did it. Lud, am I off base? No, it's exactly what it is. We don't get told the truth on anything. This idea that it's our government and we control it is so far gone. You think it's gone, gone? Yeah. I go you a step further on that. I think you're right, but I don't think it's our elected officials' government either. No, I don't either. So those guys like me that believe in a small R, not the party, a small R Republican form of self-governance that calls for a representative government, uh, state reps, state senators, federal senators, federal house reps. We have those folks to represent our interests. And I don't think that even the folks that are actually in there trying to do a good job, left and right, by the way, even the folks that are honest and they're there to do a good job have absolutely zero, zero impact over the bureaucracy. They just don't have it. Well, I think the truth, in the, the, you, I think you sent me a video of Putin addressing his assembly. I did do that. Tell him about it. He was addressing his governmental assembly, almost like a state of the nation, and put the blame on this, and he called it a regional conflict with Ukraine. It is. And that's what he called it. We yeah. look at it as this global, na- everything's always national security. Right. We always label it national security, and that gives them authority to control it then because it's one of the two partitions of the Constitution that give federal government authority. Right. So it's national security. we got to go fight this. And his whole thing has been they that we want this war. We're the ones pursuing this war. We're the ones not trying to w- help. We're actually trying to prolong it so that we have to get into it. Right. And I'm listening to going, man, this is the other side of the story. Sure. I see a lot more of that side of the story than I see the side we're being told. Well, but listen, I'm the same guy. I'm a non-interventionist. I say it again. We've got hundreds of military bases all over the world. Last I saw, we had hundreds, plural, that were stationed with soil, 150 sovereign nations soil, where we have military and civilian personnel defending those folks, supposedly. Listen, I'm not going to rag on America. That's not my point. But we've really shifted beyond the focus of what's best for the people. And so the military-industrial complex, to be cliche but accurate, when it's all about money and power for the bureaucracy, not the elected. I know lots of good, uh, and by the way, folks, I know good elected people that I simply disagree with. We don't have to agree to still have mutual respect and still love our Constitution and our government. We can be at odds 100% of the time and still have a cup of coffee, shake hands, and walk away. It doesn't have to be, did you bring a bigger bag of name-calling than I did? We don't have to look like angry clowns. Well, let's go back into your guys' era. That for the you, pre- you act like we were in a different century. Well, Jared wasn't even born yet when this happened. <laughs> I don't even know if I was in elementary yet. As soon as you start that, Jared grabs the flashcards to <laughs> tell you you're coming to an end. Well, <laughs> I, I've seen the videos. I vaguely remembered as a kid, but watching Reagan at the Resolute desk apologizing about the Iran Contra affair that he knew nothing about. That is a huge sign back he, then. Because he took ownership of it, though. But, but my point is, that's the level of bureaucracy we had 40 years ago. Sure. And it's only gotten bigger. We have no control. This is a moving train right. that we have the illusion of control. 
And the most recent thing we know we have no control over is lockdowns. But we did. But I got to tell you, the lockdown thing, when I look back at government COVID, not COVID, we've had lots of pandemics. I mean, seven or eight in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. It's the only time the federal government ever did what the federal government did. And I believe it was thoroughly and completely designed to take out a sitting president. I don't think it had anything to do with any virus. I passionately believe that, and I believe I could document it. If somebody wants to send me an email, I'll send you back documentation. It was off the hook crazy. It defies anything that we've ever seen in our country. Um, but I, I got to tell you, you can go back to you can go back to World War II and come forward, mm-hmm. and I have because I start looking for a spot to say, when did we get off the hook? FDR. I wrestle over FDR. I look back at Woodrow Wilson. And I think, well. Couldn't have been Woodrow Wilson. He was only actually the president for half his term because his wife was a president yeah. for the other part. Yep. But I think I think World War II, we, the, the, we turned a corner on who we, who we have as representation. Let me, let me that. It might actually go back to the Great Depression. Uh, it, it, that, that, I think that's the, the fear, and it's still the people of not having things to eat, not having yeah. jobs, the, the economy, the, really the country crashing down to almost a brittle end. I might be, but I got to tell you, I think I take us back to the Civil War. Yeah, I think that we 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 had to win. By the way, so I'm not disagreeing, but holy smokes, did we trade a lot? I worry about that, folks. Stay with us. We've got to go to a break, but we'll be right back. Listen, I got to tell you, this final point on that is I, I genuinely believe it goes back to the Civil War. Um, and and I, I would have been on the northern side, but I would have wrestled with it. I'm, I'm as uh, against slavery as Benjamin Franklin was. On the other hand, I'm still pro the Bill of Rights. And, and those things that those words mean, I think we traded away. And yeah. I, I'm not, we didn't have to trade the way that to get the other. The reason I, was, I said the Great Depression or FDR is yep. because the, the level of bureaucracy growth from coming out of the Great Depression, people looked to the government for help, yes. and it became their, their crutch, more than even just a crutch, but actually their pedestal to stand on. But go back and look at the campaigns of the time where they were depicting a Republican or a conservative as the, the banker in Monopoly. Yeah, the fat cat. In Monopoly. They yeah. literally used caricatures that looked that way. And that's kind of where this classism thing really was injected into our society maybe before that but that's where i can start documenting it um, by the way when you when you go back to world war ii yep remember ronald reagan was a democrat right that's a big deal it, it really is a big deal and now we're watching in fact i would this isn't on the list miles but you got me going on something in one of our recent off-air conversations if Trump were the nominee for the Republican Party in 2024, and then the debate becomes, and we'll be on the air having this conversation, who does Miles Bauer want as Donald Trump's running mate? Actually, um, Tulsi Gabbard. He told me that the other night, and I was started to mock you for a second, for just a, for just a nanosecond. And I went, wait a minute. Don't tell him this, but I think he's got a good idea. 
Yeah, you see, they're probably actually the most politically aligned. They, they really are. Um, but where I was going to go when we're talking about history is the party apparatuses, and, and I've opined about this on the air probably too much, but when it gets to the point where folks say, I'm going to vote R, period, doesn't matter who it is, I'm going to vote R, mm-hmm. uh, or D, because it's the same on both sides. It becomes a football game rather than us selecting leadership for a great country. Uh, so I'm a D guy. No, I'm an R guy. We hate each other. Well, I don't, why do I hate you? I don't hate you. We just disagree. I don't hate you. But when, it, when we've reduced it to the level of R's and D's, and I think you and I, Lud, talked about this recently when I, I, we've maybe, may actually both of you, when we reduce the, and this is in my mind, by the way, folks, I'm just kind of opining a little bit more, but we've reduced the office of the presidency oh, yeah. to a scary level. Yeah. And it, it used to be in my life with Miles, and yours and my life because of our age, Miles Bauer, there was a time, even with Jimmy Carter, I didn't agree with him on anything. I really didn't. But he wasn't, I don't think he was a bad guy. We just disagreed. But it's something you've said all along, Lud, on the air. I remember the Obama era. If Obama called you, said, I need you at the White House, Ludwig, who is not an Obama fan, is on his way to see the President of the United States. That's exactly. I'm going to see the President of the United States. I'm not going to see Barack Obama Personally, I'm going to see the President of the United States. But here, even on a local level, and I remember talking about this, but it fits in this conversation, so bear with me. I'm at a Bill Heisinger event a couple, several years ago now, four or so years ago. Congressman Bill Heisinger from the old 2nd District here along the lakeshore in Michigan for those folks up in Anchorage, Alaska. We're right on Lake Michigan. And so I'm in an audience. I'm there at the time I was the 2nd Congressional District Chair for the Republican Party, sitting in the front row off on the corner alone. And they bring out a girl that's a Girl Scout. She's, I'm going to guess, they said it at the time, but I can't remember. She looked to be about eight years old. She was excited. She won a trip to the White House. And the folks in the audience booed her because Trump was president. I went, wait a minute, that little girl doesn't know who the president is. She knows nothing about Obama or Trump or any other president. She's an eight-year-old excited about going to the White House. Folks, I was embarrassed for us as a people that that made sense to besmirch some eight-year-old because she won a trip to the White House because you don't like the president. I find I find that just repulsive. I yeah. really do. That's a cultural calamity to me. So talking about the candidates thing, this isn't on here either, but uh, RFK Jr. Robert Kennedy Jr. Yeah, just announced. Miles and I talked about this a couple weeks ago. He's announced. He's a candidate. Um, Is he too central? Because I listened to some of the things he said. He's he's actually pretty leftist, but he's got topics where he sounds centrist. Yeah, and the things that I saw at his little launch party. But he's pushing back on COVID government government covid yeah is what he was pushing back on and the war in ukraine but yep but if you get off into uh climate change and all that now is now the government's gonna save us from yeah i think that's become a staple as much as abortion has on the left and the right that it's now one of those trigger issues that generates money that's the key it's a money thing it drives donations right so we're gonna talk about it we should get to guns one these days again 
because, oh my goodness, the folks in Michigan and in several purple states, the left is going to contribution raise city at the expense of our Bill of Rights. Oh my goodness gracious. So Andrew Gillum trial. Have you watched this at all? No, I just saw this, but all I do don't remember about this guy was when he ran against DeSantis was yes. that he was charged with cocaine or crack. Well, he's got 17 counts of fraud now. Oh. And and and, and also lying to the FBI during a, during his bid against DeSantis. I don't know him. I wouldn't know him if he walked in the studio, but I'm reading this article, and this was from thefoxnews.com. He's also the former mayor of Tallahassee. Former mayor. But, 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 and, and by the way, the very next one down, Fetterman chairs his first Senate hearing, a train wreck of epic proportions. That's from americawire.com. The one right below that, colleagues, colleagues worry Diane Feinstein is now mentally unfit to... Here's my question. And it's where I went with my rant in the beginning about how we've gotten to the point where it's D's and R's, nothing else matters. So I'm trying to intellectually understand the left. And I say that honest, respectfully, people. How do you look at this laundry list of craziness? You got the folks down in Tennessee, the state reps that were screaming and swearing and throwing stuff and some screwball out in the state of Washington, Democrat. Yeah, You got... You know, uh, the Whitmer from the Michigan Correctional Office, I mean, state of Michigan, uh, with what she did with COVID. What I intellectually, genuinely, respectfully don't get is how does a liberal, I say this tongue-in-cheek because there's no such thing as a liberal in the Democrat Party anymore, but how does a Democrat look at all that and go, yeah, but what did Trump say on the stump three years ago? That was outrageous. Uh, how have we gotten to the point, Miles, where this makes sense to anybody? Well, so there's a lot to un unpack there. The thing going on <laughs> with DiFi out in California. Yep. The Democrats want to install temporarily a senator so that whoever the senator is when they're running next year, they're running from the office of in in incumbency right and if and if DiFi lives throughout her term that's going to put them at a disadvantage so that that one's relatively tra transparent it would be an open primary versus someone just walking into freedom exactly you know it, uh, the the uh, democrats are going to try to characterize that um in exactly how i just i rather they they don't want that to be obvious well they're painting it like the gop is the no party and they're trying to block their right to proper representation that's right. they're, they're painting it as ugly as they can can do about the gop but to, to me it's all caucus partisan politics which is great i'm not naive but meanwhile nobody's getting proper representation Right. That's right. how I saw it. And what do you think about, we're down to seconds before break. In fact, we're going to, he's getting ready to hold up his, yep, so we're going to have to hold off. But when we come back, I want to get your view, both of you, about Fetterman. So folks, do me a favor, stay with us. We've got to go to a break, but we'll be right back.
Folks, if you're just tuning in, I am Mike Hewitt, co-hosts Miles Bauer and Ludwig von Wiedemdorski, and we are reaching out to you from our flag station here in beautiful Holland, Michigan, right on the shores of Lake Michigan, WHTC, 1450 AM and 99.7 FM, and i got to tell you, it's a privilege to be speaking with you for this hour. Uh, do me a favor, reach out to us at the themikehewittshow.com. There you'll find a way to directly email me. I do respond. I would love to hear from you. In fact, all three of us would, and uh, I look forward to hearing from you. So, Miles, listen, I, I warned you at the at that the, the top of the last break. Um, I wanted to talk about Fetterman for a minute. I'm guessing you saw the article on the show notes. In fact, I'll read it again. Fetterman chairs his first Senate hearing, a train wreck of epic proportions, brutally mocked. I don't want to mock the guy, by the way. I want to mock the voters. That's my personal view. I think the idea that they elected him, this is not against him, folks. i got to underline that. The guy has got health issues, serious health issues. I look at his family and go, really? I look at the voters and go, honest, really? But, Miles Bauer, what say you on the state of the Democrat Party when you see cases like Fetterman? Yeah, it you know, it is it is sad that they have such a thirst for power that they will take advantage of the these uh, people. As you and I talked about before in the past, what is his wife thinking? And for that matter, what is Dr. Jill thinking about Joe? Agreed. I, I but but the interesting part for me, I gotta be honest, I'll put my partisan hat back on for a moment. When I read the news, and I do a lot of news reading, Miles and Lud, both of you guys read the news constantly like I do. And folks, if you if you if you were from somewhere else and you got here and you opened up the newspaper, any, you pick the paper, doesn't matter. You would think that the Democratic Party was absolutely working in harmony, that they were perfect, they were structured, organized, like they were the cat's meow, something everybody wanted to emulate, but that the Republican Party was a train wreck that's locked inside civil war and mortal combat against each other. And when I step back and look at it, I see that on both sides. I think they're right to look at the Republican Party and go, really? But I think that they're being disingenuous when they don't look at the Democrat Party and ask the exact same thing. And where I'm going with this, and this is kind of directed directly at you, Miles, because you said a number of years ago on this show, uh, in fact, you were the one that started this conversation, that what we're witnessing is the, the, the first, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but the first major shifting or changing of the party structure since World War II. What I believe, and I've come to believe after you saying that, watching it, is I think what we're actually watching is the disintegration of the party structures in total. What say you to that? And I'm going to go to you when he's done, Lud. I mean, yes. It, are, you and I have talked in the past on, on this show that in, in reality, we do still have a coalition government, okay? It's just that there are different coalitions within the Republican Party, and there are different coalitions within the Democrat Party. So we're not that far away from 
a lot of the government structure that Europe has. It's just that we just happen to have two defined parties. But yeah. there are there are a lot of tents in both parties. I, I and you you call it coalitions because you're more respectful than I am. I see both parties as being very tribalized. Uh, they're at warfare with each other, both sides, by the way. The media wants to tell you about the Civil War in the Republican Party. It's not a civil war. It's a whole bunch of tribes fighting each other. Even you, you think, okay, I found the division in the party. And when you look closer, you'll see within the divisions are a bunch of subdivisions. And they're all at war because if you got 3,000 people, 2,000 of them think they're the smartest person in the room. Uh, that's a problem. But it's the same thing on the left. Don't anybody fool yourself. If you're an R or a D or a nun, don't fool yourself to think it's the GOP, period. Both of them are mirror images when it comes to tribalization and internal scuffle. Yeah, but the differentiation comes in. They always band together. In the end. And they always do. They, they Right. I mean, come on. Kamala Harrison is the vice president. Right. She called Joe Biden racist on multiple events in the public the, the debates. Right. <laughs> that doesn't happen in our in our side. Our side will fight to the death, going down with the ship, screaming at our own side. I've going, watched that. But we're going to lose over there in the general. Don't matter. I'm sticking to it. I've watched Man. it. And, and by the way, I've seen polling. I shouldn't cite it because I can't tell you where, but I'm going to anyhow because that's how I roll. <laughs> I saw polling that said within the Republican grassroots that their focus was more to beat Republicans than it was to beat Democrats. And I've been doing this a long time, and I can't get my head around that idea. Yeah, we burned down the House on things that we agree on in the long run. What does that mean, burn down the House? We literally put some of the worst candidates possible this this nationwide. In this last segment. In this last segment. I mean, um, this should have been a landslide. Every indication, historical, economically, every indication said we should have had landslide. I, I'll tell you what I think on that. You can push back on me, though. I think grassroots is several notches to the right of where the voting Republican body is. Yeah. So the average person, men or woman, married or not married, gay or straight, et cetera, et cetera. The new grassroots. Um. Because I watch a lot of OG grassroots, people who've been there for 40 years. I don't know what a, what's an OG. Original gangsta. Oh, my goodness. Where did, I, where did we get him? You're an OG. Miles, where did we get him at? I what, know. What were we thinking that day? I could have said old grandpa or old grandma, but I went the other way. <laughs> you do. <laughs> but those who have been there for 20, 30, 40 years were just annihilated and pushed out like they didn't ever exist. Right. They were. That's what I mean by the new grassroots. The old grassroots, we we had our things we didn't like. Right. Like I challenged somebody, you challenged somebody. Sure. But in the end, it was all right. We're on the same team. We didn't agree with those few issues, but we agree about ninety five percent of it. So let's move forward together. But this grassroots came in and said, "I disagree with you about five percent, and that's a hundred percent enough for me to destroy this." But here's the fun part of that. First off, I acknowledge that I'm not pushing back. But the fun part is the math, because the math says that a, a state political party has an effect on a general election of about 4%. That's what they move it. And I tell you that because the folks that you're talking about, um, they think, okay, we've got the party now. We're going to bring all of our candidates to the 
to the mix and we're going to win. Well, we just saw that in 2022. They've doubled down on it. And I'm predicting things I don't like to predict for 2024, at least here in Michigan, versus them saying, let's slow to navigation speed. And rather than talking to each other, what would Ben Franklin say? He'd so go out and talk to the people you don't agree with. We learned nothing from the 2016 election when 3 million evangelicals stayed home against Romney, and Romney lost by 1.8 million votes. Miles, we learned did, nothing. Did you vote in uh, 20? This is one of those things where you ask the question because you know the answer. So, in Miles. 2012 <laughs> election. 2012. Did I, you vote I, for? I, 2012. I stayed home. You didn't vote for Mr. Obamney. Nope. Nope. Yeah, we've learned nothing. Don't find the most electable. I don't know if I, I don't know. By the way, in the primary process, I'll submit to you that, in my opinion, a lot of folks don't understand that our primary process is supposed to make it so that a multi-party system is not needed. Mm -hmm. So whenever I hear folks yell, we need a multi-party system, I say, so you want us to be as successful as old Francais? That doesn't sound like something I'm on board with. Your multi-partisanism is in the primary because you it's have the, your libertarian. It's in the primary. Your strict so conservative. We go figure out who we want to represent us in the general, yep. and that would be the you know the the other choices to have five or six or ten parties, which would mean you could have a leadership of a of a minority interest party that can't lead. We see that in Canada often. Yeah. We see it in Europe often. Listen, Miles, we've got to go to a break. So hold that thought, folks. We will be right back. An evergreen moment with Mike Hewitt based on an understanding that a successful culture is formed from a citizenry steeped in personal character. Two trust funds were established, 2,000 each for two great cities. The trusts were to provide microloans to young tradesmen on the belief that helping them was to their betterment and that of their communities. The two centuries long plan was a final chapter of a lifelong ambition to help mold America. He was specific on how the funds were to be managed. Even even including disbursement instructions for the 100th and 200th anniversaries. Who thinks that way? Get this, after two centuries, the trusts held $6.5 million. Thousands of families were made better, an institute of technology, a museum, and more, all from two modest trusts. Ben Franklin left us an evergreen moment. Form yourself a good plan and make its execution your sole study. Find the Mike Hewitt Show on Spotify and Apple Podcast. You'll like it. Listen, Miles Ludd, folks, what got me on that topic is I'm reading, my, in fact, my little side note here on our show notes today, I'm not bagging on Chicago. I have to start with that because I'm really not. In fact, I went from that to looking, kind of widening, widening my scope, but Chicago has a functional illiteracy rate of 53%. And I thought, holy smokes, that must be the worst in America. And so I went hunting for the math. According to the U.S. Department of Education, 54% of adults in the United States have prose literacy below the sixth grade reading level. And I thought, oh my goodness, we got to be better than this. And it's not D's and R's, folks. It's not public versus private, voucher versus not. It's none of those things. It's about family. It really is. 
If I would then, if I were to do one of those overlay maps you used to see in school, not in your era, Lud, back when Miles and I were we young. We had them. Did you? Oh. Yeah, you had the, you, the world map, and then you could put over like different it, like geographies and stuff. If I laid over the literacy map of the United States for those areas that had higher illiteracy than than the rest, and then I laid over a map that demonstrated broken or single parent families or no parent families, they'd be identical, folks. They'd be identical. And I tell you that because we're just buried to our eyeballs in the D's and R's debate while more than half of our population reads at less than sixth grade. We're better than that. And if we aren't, we better slap ourselves in the face and wake up when Ben Franklin can take four grand and leave it for 200 years and have it built. I can't tell you how many buildings it built in Philadelphia and Boston. Those were the two cities he left it for. Um, and in Philadelphia, I think it was, took the estate. Think about this for a minute. Took the, the, the Ben Franklin estate to court so they could get access to more of it. I, I, you go, what a vile thing. But the brilliance of setting something really simple up. It wasn't space techni- technology. It wasn't quadratic formulas and things that, Miles, you used to do my homework for. It was none of those things. It was just common sense. And I think, how could we not be as smart now as somebody 250 years ago? How did we get dumber than people eight generations ago? You two are very educated, and I say that really respectfully. I'm going to go to you first, Lud, because you are the educator sitting here in the room. Mm-hmm. When you see a number of 54% functionally illiterate, first off, you find that to be true, even though you're in college. Oh, so yeah. You, you oh, yeah. Do you think it's that high? Yeah, yeah. So the folks that say, I'm going to go to college now, are what I, sixth grade or below, I think of that as functionally I read illiterate. Some of, I read papers. I'm like, how did you ever pass high school writing this? I, I just, listen, folks, I, I find this fearsome. And so when everybody's looking at our culture going, wow, everybody's gone crazy. What's going on? After we got through COVID, it feels like the cultural wheels fell off our cart. What's going on? And then I start looking at the numbers of broken families that took place during the lockdowns. I start looking at educational levels of people leaving high school. And when I say that, it was almost facetious. And Oh, no, no, I got a cousin that got, he's got a 4.0. Let's look at his curriculum. Yeah. And you go, that's not a curriculum. That's a feel-good social engineering day. Think think about this, right? We've got all these school board meetings the last year or so, maybe two, even three years because of COVID, that parents are involved in their, they're in there fighting, and it's over COVID masks and lockdowns. It's over drag queens in the room or uh, porn in the library. Porn in the library. Okay, those three yep. things. The, where were they before those three things existed about reading? Listen, I've got four daughters. And so over the course of my life of raising those girls, I had a number of okay. In fact, I've talked about it on this show in the early days of this show. I'd go to school, school meetings, PTA meetings, et cetera, uh, large schools. And I'd be one of five or six parent sets in mm-hmm. the room. And because nobody's hair was on fire. And by the way, I'm not bemoaning anybody. I'm not pushing back. I'm saying if we as a people 
are happy with 54% illiteracy, then let's not bother with a change. Let's keep arguing about nonsensical things. And I think the drag queen issue is, is, a, is a nonsensical thing. Six months from now, that'll be yesterday's news, and we'll argue about something else just as zany. Yeah, but never about the reading scores, the math scores, the science scores. Nothing about the things that actually advance our nation. I said on this show, in fact, I did a 60-second piece, several of them, back when you were first on the show, Lud, a long time ago. If I'm, You'll remember this because I've said it enough. I'm sorry. But if I'm a 17-year-old, I don't care what color. Ethnicity is not part of this issue. Folks, please don't make this race. If I'm 17 years old and I'm standing on the street corner and I'm functionally illiterate so I cannot fill out a job application or get online and fill out an application and everybody's passing me in nice cars and they're dressed nice, if you don't think I'm angry, you're an idiot. I don't know how else to say it to you. And as a culture, people that are Miles' age and mine and yours, Jared, you too, if we don't say stop, We've got a problem going on, and it's none of these latest uh, media hypes because the this is all sizzle that we're reacting to. Okay, question then. Question for anybody. Miles, you take his answer. Bill Cosby spoke out against this decades ago. And they destroyed him. they destroyed him. So who's going to make that change? You think they're afraid? They can't speak up. They got destroyed. He lost his Joe endorsement, the shows, everything. And then they went, they've, uh, I mean... We now, know all this. Now I got and I got I got to paint something for folks to understand. I'm not saying the man was innocent. I'm saying all of Hollywood knew what he was doing for decades, and it wasn't a problem until he crossed this line. Yeah. So who's gonna stop it? Who's gonna cha- make the change, Miles? Where do, you, where do you think that comes from? So if you think about it, we're easier to control, provided that we're not able to do things like math or read. I think that's, you're yeah, right. It is. Can't you are right, but that's thinking. fearsome. Yeah, take critical thinking out and people just obey. Yeah, but but listen, I it, the part that gets me where I intellectually don't understand is so if you're the person, whoever it is, that sits at the top of the pile and you say, I want to be the grandiose grand poobah leader, it seems like you would have more if you made your society function better than being the grand poobah of a decaying, dilapidated, yesterday's news culture. I, I mean, which would you want to leave, North North Korea or the old America? I mean, I'm just asking. But most people don't surround themselves with people who are smarter than them. They're afraid to. It'll show their deficiencies. You think that's true? Oh, 100%. I got to tell you, I'm the, and you probably are right, by the way. That'd give you like three times in the same calendar month, but... I'm the other extreme on this. I am. I want to surround myself with successful people because I know the old axiom, I passionately believe this, you will become the people you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. So if I got eight dirt bags around me versus eight people that are frankly like you two, that work your behinds off to get educated and go to work every day and do everything you can do to contribute, what set do I want to be like? I think that's just foundational, cultural foundation stuff. It's the stuff that was, in my mind, it's the stuff that Ben Franklin talked about a lot. And suddenly we think we're smarter than him. And I don't want to put him on a pedestal, but we're not smarter. Go, Miles. Yes, but but Mike, think about the recent 
mayoral election down here in Chicago, where the the city doubled down on in uh, brain damage. Think about Governor Newsom in California as he's watching all those U-Hauls move out, and he is doubling down. We're we're down to seconds, Miles. I got to stop you. I intellectually, yeah. I don't understand that. You know, fifty-four percent illiteracy. Let's have more. That's insane to me. But listen, folks, thank you very, very much for dialing in and listening. We truly, genuinely appreciate you. Find us at themikehewittshow.com. Send me a message. Let me know what you think. Be safe. We'll see you next week.